Hey everyone, welcome to the Frontline Community Church Podcast. My name is Jared, and I'm the group's resident here at Frontline in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Our mission is simple, to see zero people unchanged by Jesus. And so whether you've been following Jesus your whole life or your journey has just begun, we hope that this message will help you draw near to the person of Jesus, be challenged and encouraged by his word, and be moved to action. We hope these next few moments are a blessing to you and equip you to see who God really is and who you are in him. Hey, Merry Christmas, everybody. It's just good to see all of you and have you here in person, especially if this is your first time. I just want to say welcome. Uh, it's also great to have you if you're joining and watching online. Uh, just by show of hands in the room, you can participate online as well. Uh, how many of you have ever found yourself in the middle of the woods before at night by yourself? Anybody? It's like a tee up to a horror movie, isn't it? Uh, I, I grew up camping and I have, you know, the reputation in my family for having the smallest bladder. So I found myself in the middle of the woods by myself on more than one occasion. Uh, but I also married into a hunting family. And so I, I, I mean, it's normal to go out for at least us and our family to be out before the sun rises or after the sun sets in the middle of the woods by myself. And I don't care how big I am or how many times I've done it. Uh, it's kind of freaky. And if you've been there, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, in the woods, especially at night, and picture like it's nighttime, it's cold, it's quiet, you're a far ways away from everybody else in your vehicle and you're walking and, and the moon is not out. I mean, it is dark. Isn't it true? Everything in the woods at that moment feels gigantic. I mean, every rustle of the leaves, I mean, every squirrel may as well be a bobcat looking for its next meal. I mean, I'm just convinced, it doesn't matter what I have on me, I mean, I'm, I'm just ready. You know, what is it? You know, blood pressure's high, heart rate's pounding, hair's sticking up on the back of my neck. Now, all of us understand darkness. You know, like it, if you've never been in the middle of the woods, maybe you've been at home, right, when the power goes off, like you're watching TV or you're eating dinner, and then all of a sudden everything goes black. But I think all of us also understand a different type of darkness, a darkness that's not just external, uh, but a darkness that can be very internal. You know what I'm talking about? I think all of us understand a darkness. In fact, for a lot of us, it feels like the lights go out for us individually, kind of like this. And then there's a shock when all of the lights go out. And at first we can't see anything but eventually our eyes adjust. This is how it is to be human, isn't it? When the lights go out, when you receive the diagnosis that you've been dreading, or maybe it just comes out of left field. When you're living in a perpetual state of just marital dysfunction, or maybe brokenness with extended family, Maybe financially when things get really tight, really difficult, and it's just constantly brewing. Maybe for you, especially this time of year, it's something like depression or anxiety. Maybe it's isolation, loneliness. Every single one of us understands that type of darkness. Where it's just there and it's present. And as much as we want to get out of it, sometimes there's a familiarity or a comfort that comes from getting used to our own darkness. The question I really want to ask you this morning is if there was an opportunity presented to you 
to escape that darkness. Whatever it is that you walked in with, if an opportunity presented itself to you to walk out of that darkness, would you take it? What most people don't realize about the Christmas story is how dark the world actually was when Jesus was born. If you grew up in church, if you've heard this story before, you've read the narrative in scripture, you've seen the nativity scene, it's easy to think that, you know, everything was good, everything was fine, or maybe it was like, everything was like today, like there was dysfunction, but people were fine. But what I I need to tell you today is the story and the world in which Jesus was born into was dark. It was a dark world. It was ruled by a, a man at the time, his name was Herod, and if he had a nickname, it would be Herod the Brutal. He was a brutal dictator. He was a military, military leader. He ruled his territory as a police state. There was no such thing as civil rights. There were no protections. He was a king. He was a brutal king. You did everything you could to satisfy the king, to stay out of his mind and out of his way as much as possible. 10% of the population at the time was born into, into a luxury or into affluence. The other 90% of people were taxed at a baseline rate of 50 to 60%. Herod, if he didn't like you, he could kill you. There'd be no repercussions. He was an absolute dictator at the time. People feared him. People hated him. His reputation was as a thug or a murderer. That was their leader. That was the time in which Jesus was born. And in fact, that is why Mary and Joseph traveled all the way from Nazareth to Bethlehem. They got on a hundred mile trip. Mary probably rode most of the way on the back of a donkey, super pregnant, hundred miles to come in. And they were there to register for the census. And the purpose of the census was for Herod to find out who is in the kingdom to find out how much he would get back in taxes. Taxes is what brought Mary and Joseph to the little town of Bethlehem. The world was very, very dark. If you've heard this story before, you you know how it goes. And Luke is the author that we're going to read from today. Luke is writing this story as God leads him through it. And what's so funny about this story is, is you see the narrative, you see the flow, you see how kind of it's going. But then all of a sudden we get to the point where Mary and Joseph, they have this baby. You've heard it before probably that Mary and Joseph are in this barn. They're not in the house. They're not with the rest of their family. They kind of get pushed aside. So they're out in a horse barn. That's where Mary gives birth and they're holding baby Jesus. They lay him down in his very first crib, which is a horse trough. That's where he is, and it's at that moment that Luke, the writer, and God gets our attention in a totally different way, and he says, I'm going to pause here, and I'm going to zoom out, and I'm going to show you somebody else, a totally unlikely character in this story. I'm going to show you somebody else, and there's a reason for it. So here's what it looks like. This is Luke chapter 2, verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks. Say these last two words with me at night. Don't overthink this. It's at night. It's creepy. It's quiet. It's pitch black. If you were there, if you were the shepherds, if you had their shoes on, this is what you would see. A bunch of demon sheep staring right back at you (laughs) with their eyes just glowing. And you're like, I'm pretty sure they're sheep. (laughs) Don't miss this. They're real people. They're out in the fields. They're away from the town. They're away from Bethlehem. They're, they're taking care of their flocks. And at night, like shepherds understood, you had to stay up and stay. And they took turns on watch. 
So it would rotate. There'd be a handful of shepherds, and so one would stay up, and the rest would sleep, and then he would wake up one, and then they would rotate. And, and the reason they were keeping watch at night is because that's when the predators came out, during the darkness. That's when the lions would show up. That's when the bears would show up. That's when the wolves would show up or the coyotes would show up. That's when thieves and robbers would show up, people that intend to do harm to the shepherds. That's when they would show up. It'd be in the middle of the night. So they're already on edge and their tensions are high and the blood pressure's pumping and the hair is sticking up on the back of their necks because they're watching and they're waiting and it was a darkness that they were familiar with. But these shepherds weren't the normal shepherds that you would anticipate. They're not just like the super cute kids or whatever in the live nativity scene. These shepherds were the lowest part of society. They were not liked by everyone else. They were cast aside. The reason they were at the bottom is nobody trusted them. They had a reputation for doing bad and living up to that reputation repeatedly. One author writes this about shepherds. He says to buy wool, milk, or a baby goat from a shepherd was forbidden on the assumption that it was stolen property. People did not like shepherds. And in fact, you want to know what a lot of times they were referred to as? Sinners. That was the term ascribed to shepherds. God is penning this narrative. He's telling the story about the birth of Jesus. And he hits pause not to go to a king, not to go to a politician, not to go to a military, not, not even to go to a priest, but he goes to the shepherds, the ones who were known as sinners in the middle of this story, and it's at night. And so the shepherds are comfortable in their own darkness. It's familiar just like every other night until this happened. An angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were, say it with me, terrified. Of course they were. You ever been watching a movie before, kind of scary, tense scene, whatever, and somebody sneaks up behind you and flips the lights on? Or was that just what I did to my siblings growing up? Is that anybody else? This is what happens to the shepherds in the middle of the night. It's, it's pitch black, it's dark, they're watching their sheep, and all of a sudden, God turns the lights on. The word in Greek that is used when it's written is perilampo. It's two words combined. Peri is perimeter. That's where we get perimeter. Lampo is light. What the author is saying, Luke wrote, immediately there was light everywhere. Can you imagine a place in which there are no shadows? That's what took place. The light was illuminating. Every crevice, every crack, every corner, every dark part of this field was immediately illuminated. And the first thought and the first feeling of the shepherds, which would be the exact same thought of any of us if we were out in the fields, was terror. And then here's what the angel said. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, just a few miles away, today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. Other versions say your savior was born today. Not just a savior, not just the world's savior, not just the rest of society that has rejected you, not, not, not just their savior. No, no, we have good news today that's gonna cause great joy for everybody because your savior was born personal. 
There's ownership as the angel shared it with them. He is the Messiah, the one that was promised, the one that was foretold, the one that the prophets got ready for and told the people about for thousands of years that has pointed to this moment right here. The Messiah is born. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And then it says this, Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. What a night. Here's the shepherds and they're doing things like they've always done them before. And the angel shows up, the angel gives them good news and invites them into the story. The sinners, the rejected ones, the bottom of society, the ones that didn't earn it, that got overlooked for everything else. The angel shows up and says, I got good news. I got great, no, great news for you. It's going to cause great joy, a joy like you've never experienced before. A Savior has been born, and he's right over there. Wow. Can you imagine how different that story would have been if God didn't choose the shepherds, but he chose somebody that had, had earned it? Somebody that was more expected. You know how exclusive that story would feel? But shepherds, I mean, man, they're, they're a lot easier to identify with. Think about how inclusive the story of God's Messiah, of Jesus coming to earth, how God wrote that. It was for us. But minutes earlier, there the shepherds were. They were out in the field. They were in the middle of their own darkness, and it was familiar to them. So here's another question for you. What darkness is most familiar to you? Before you walked in today, when you're in your car, maybe you're at home this morning getting ready, maybe you're traveling, you're in town, what, what's the darkness that's become familiar to you? I'm willing to bet you don't love it. You're probably not proud of it. Maybe a lot of people don't know about it, but what's that darkness that's most familiar to you in your life? Is it some of the stuff we talked about earlier? Is it like depression? Or it just feels like this cloud that just follows you everywhere. And you try to put on a happy face and the parties you're going to go to, it's like you have to muster up every ounce of energy you have to convince everybody you're okay. And then as soon as you're away, you're not. Is it anxiety? That one feels totally different, doesn't it? It's like this current that just stays underneath and it feels like it's bubbling. And sometimes it surprises you because it doesn't give you a lot of warning. It just shows up and it feels like it's crippling. Some of you, maybe it's your marriage that's been deteriorating and falling apart for a while, that you've just been moving separate directions and it just, you hope it's gonna get better and you hope for the next stage or the next turn or the next switch or whatever it is, but it just continues to get worse and worse and worse. And right now, the big thing that you're thinking about and caring is we just gotta put it together and put on a good face for our kids or grandkids. Is that the darkness that you've become familiar with? Maybe it's a secret you've been carrying for a while. Maybe it's an addiction that you've convinced yourself is under control. Maybe it's something you did in the past that you just can't outrun. No matter how hard you try, maybe you've received forgiveness from somebody else. Maybe you haven't. Maybe you haven't even forgiven yourself. And you think there's no way that a God could forgive you for that. What's the darkness that's become most familiar to you. 
as I was getting ready for this message, I thought back, uh, it was about 12 years ago, almost to the month that I actually, that, that I made a decision to follow Jesus with my life. So I go back 12 years and I try to put myself back in that spot and just go, man, what was I feeling and where was I and what was life like? I mean, if I used a word to describe my life back then, it would be dark. It was funny, I grew up in church. My dad was a pastor. I kind of knew the songs, I knew the stories, I'd heard the stuff before, but I never really had a relationship with Jesus. And so I, I broke out, you know, of, of home and ended up in college and started chasing a variety of different things that I, uh, this surely will help some of the darkness that I'm feeling, or this will help some of the anxiety, or this will help some of the brokenness, this will help solve some of the sin, this will help. But I, I chased a thousand different things and they kept ending up falling short. I remember I was at this conference with tens of thousands of other people. I didn't even really know what it was when I signed up. And there was a speaker that got up in front of us and he described life. He said, sometimes life feels like a funeral. It feels like you're a shell of a person or a shell of what people see. They see the outside, but what they don't see is how dead and lifeless and dark you are on the inside. And when he described that, I went, he's talking to me. I don't even know how I got here, but that's me. That's my story. That's what I'm living. And there's nothing that is getting me out of this. And what's funny about darkness and when it becomes familiar, so this is true for me, maybe it's true for you. Sometimes in the familiarity of my own darkness, I become terrified of the idea of light. It's like, this is what I know, and this is what I've learned to function in, and this is how I've learned to function. This is how I've learned to put on the facade and how to make it through. And it's terrifying at the idea of saying, but what if I opened that door? What if I allowed something else to come in? What if I allowed light to come in? I, the terrifying part for me is what am I going to find if I actually release it or if I let somebody in? What are they going to find? What are they going to see? What secret is going to get out? What will be exposed that can't be undone? You know, it's funny about when the angel shows up to the shepherd, the word the angel uses to describe the news was good. It was good news. And as I sat with this, I thought about my life. I thought about many of your lives here at our, our church. What's funny is the one who understands the good news of Jesus, not just the news of Jesus, but the fact that it's good, the one that understands the good news of Jesus is also the one that understands darkness. You realize this is the whole purpose of the Christmas story. It is a contrast between darkness and light. Remember when that pastor, I'm sitting at that conference and he says, is there anybody here that would like Jesus to interrupt their funeral? I remember I stood up and I said, me, I can't do the darkness anymore. I need the light. I want the light. I want to step into it. If you look at the Christmas story through that filter, the contrast between darkness and light is all throughout it. Let me read some of them to you. This is wild. The dark world that existed at the time ruled by Herod, this dark world was contrasted by a pure baby. You have the backdrop of darkness with a focus on the light. You have a dark field, totally dark, totally quiet, lifeless, lightless, a totally dark field that is contrasted by this glorious display of angels in heaven. It's unbelievable. You have a dark king who was reigning at the time, who murdered thousands of people, who oppressed his people, who stole from them, who took from them, 
who used them, contrasted by a perfect king that was just born, one who wouldn't take from his people, one who would give for his people, who wouldn't take life, who would sacrifice his life. It's contrasted by the king that lives and reigns temporarily by Jesus who lives and reigns eternally. And then this last one, it was a dark time. There was 400 years of silence from the last prophet to have spoken to God's people, Israel. It had been 400 years where people were waiting. I mean, imagine week after week turns into months, turns into years, turns into decades, turns into centuries, waiting and waiting and waiting and everybody hanging and they're looking at some of the prophets and they're looking at the priests and saying, has anybody heard a new word from God? And for 400 years, there is silence and everybody's waiting for the entry of light. And then the angels show up and they don't just bring news that God had spoken, they bring good news that God had not just spoken, but he had acted and he had given his own son. That's why we celebrate Christmas. It is the entry of light into darkness, not just in the world, but for us personally. Just like the shepherds, the, the news was for us, not just everybody else. Here's how the story closes. It says, when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. See, they got the news. The light had showed up. It illuminated the sky. But then when the angels left, it got dark again. And the shepherds have a powwow and they have to talk and they have to figure out how are we going to respond to the news? They were given a choice. Are we going to move towards the light and towards the person of Jesus? Are we going to move towards what the angel just told us about? Or are we going to take a step back and retreat back into the familiar darkness that we had had long ago? The story just as easily could have ended with this. And the shepherds went to bed and fell asleep. How many people are asleep in their own darkness? That God has showed up and said, I'm inviting you to respond. I'm inviting you to move towards me. I'm inviting you to step out of darkness into the light. So the shepherds show up. That's how they respond. They show up in the horse barn. They walk in and they find Mary and they find Joseph and they find baby Jesus just as he was described. He was wrapped in cloths. I don't picture a nice baby onesie. I picture whatever was lying around, scraps that had wrapped this perfect baby and he was laying in a manger and they showed up and you can imagine what's going through their minds. This is exactly as the angels described it. I don't know how you got here tonight or this morning or this week or this year. I, I don't know how you got to this spot right now. Maybe you're here because you wanted to be. Maybe you've been looking forward to it. Maybe you were excited about showing up and being here at church today. Maybe you're not. You're a good company. Man, half my life I showed up to church on Christmas because I had to. But 
however it is you got here, whether you had to, whether you were forced to, whether you came with family, whether you're traveling from out of town, whether you're watching online, whatever, whatever it is, however God brought you, what I believe and what we believe here as a team is that God has a message for you. And the message is today is the day that we celebrate the birth of your Savior and our Savior. The message is regardless of the darkness that you find yourself in, regardless of the darkness that's become familiar to you, regardless of the darkness that you have just resolved to the fact that it will always be, God moved towards you. And he brings light. We have this Advent candle that we've celebrated the last four weeks here at Frontline. And this last candle that we get to light today is this middle one, and it's, it's the Jesus candle. And it's white, represents light, represents purity. It's the Jesus candle. It also represents repentance, depending on what tradition you use or look at. And it represents all of these things because it's meant to point us to the person of Jesus, just like the Christmas story. See, Jesus was born and we celebrate his birthday today and tomorrow and we open presents and we gather together and we enjoy, you know, the things of life that God has given us, but it's meant to point us to the gift, the ultimate gift that God gave us, which was salvation in the person of Jesus. Jesus would grow up 33 years later after the events of this night that we're talking about. Jesus would find himself being nailed to a cross as he willfully surrendered his life. A perfect king, a perfect son of God himself who laid down his life, who surrendered to people, to us. And as he was nailed on that cross, he was hoisted up in front of everybody and he hung there. And you know what he said hanging on the cross at no fault of his own? He said, Father, forgive them. That's what he was there to do. The gift was in its fulfillment right there. What Jesus did is he died on that cross for your sin and for my sin for the sin of humanity in the past and the present and the future. Jesus went to the cross. He made a transaction with God and he said, they can never get themselves out of this darkness. They can never get themselves out of the hole that they've dug of the sin and the filth and the dirt and the grime and the perversion and the things that they have embraced, not as individuals, but just as people for all of history. There's no way they could save themselves. And if God didn't act, that darkness would have been eternal. It would have been forever. And it's resulting in ultimate death. And God said, not on my watch. So he laid down his son. He sent him into the world. We celebrate Christmas. Jesus goes to the cross and it says he hung his head and he died. And darkness came over the land. But that's not how the story ends. Jesus was buried in a tomb. There was a funeral. He was buried in his tomb. And three days later, Jesus rose back from the grave. Life entered the building again. Entered back into our world. Darkness thought it had won. And then light showed up. Darkness is a passive force scientifically. Darkness doesn't exist. It's simply the absence of light because as soon as light enters into, it eradicates the darkness. As soon as Jesus rose from the grave, he eradicates the darkness that he is invited into, much like this candle. 
whatever corner, whatever dark crevice, whatever closet, whatever thing that gets illuminated by the light, the darkness vanishes. So the question that I had to ask you earlier was if you were given an opportunity to walk out of that darkness that you've become familiar with, would you take it? Because Jesus offers it. Jesus doesn't just bring the light. He is the light. So right now, I just want to give you an opportunity to respond. And if you say, I, I want Jesus in my life. I want his light to come into my darkness. I just want to give you an opportunity just to do that right now. So would you pray with me? Everybody, whether you're watching online here in the room, let's pray together. God, we just come before you right now. We thank you that you are light that in you is life for all of us, for all mankind. Jesus, you don't just bring darkness into our pain, into our shame, into our sin, into our diagnoses, into our brokenness. Jesus, you don't just bring, bring light there. You are the light. And so I just pray right now for every person in this room, every person watching or listening online, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would be present right now, that they would feel your proximity, that every person here would feel how close you are, regardless of the darkness that we have found ourselves in or the darkness that we have created or the darkness that we have, we have run back to. I pray right now, Holy Spirit, that we would just take a step, that we'd be obedient to you and the prompting of your Holy Spirit. And I pray right now, God, if, if for someone, maybe it's the first time or maybe it's the thousandth time, I pray right now that if, if they need to accept you as their savior, I pray right now they would just say, Jesus, I want you to be my light. I want you to be my savior. The death you died on the cross was for me. And the good news of the resurrection of Jesus is also for me. I want you, Jesus. God, I just pray that you would hear the prayers of your people, of a people that are desperate for light. And I pray that as we celebrate this service and as we close out, I pray that today would be a marker for many of us in this room, many of us who find ourselves in darkness right now, that we can look at this day, December 24th, 2023, as a day of light that changed the narrative of our stories. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people said together. So here's how we'd love to close out the service. Uh, there's two things you probably noticed on your seat when you walked in. Uh, one of them's a candle. So go ahead and grab that because you're gonna need it. Uh, the other one's a card right there. And uh, if you look at the card, it asks a couple of questions. One of them says, I made a decision to follow Jesus today or this year. Maybe you wanna take a next step. Maybe you've decided to recommit your life to Jesus. Would you just write your name on that card if that's you today and just check one of those boxes? Uh, we not only wanna celebrate with you, but we wanna walk with you. A lot of us in this room who call Frontline Home, we know what it's like to walk with Jesus. And I'd, I'd be the first one to tell you the last 12 years, the decision I made 12 years ago changed my life forever. 
in every pocket, every area of darkness that I have, that I still have in my life, when I invite Jesus into it, it changes everything. I believe God has that for you. It's not a one and done opportunity. It's an invitation into a journey of a lifetime in walking with Jesus toward the light with other people. So just go ahead and check that box. And, and what we wanted to do, we just wanted to honor you and celebrate you in alignment with the story of Christmas because God chose the shepherds first. You notice that? The first ones to hear the good news that their savior had been born was the sinners, the outcasts, the ones that were overlooked, the forgotten, the lowest part of society. God invited them just like he invites every single one of us. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna move into the candlelit part of our service. But if you have a card that you'd like to drop in, uh, I just wanna invite you, we have a Jesus candle up here on the left and on the right of the stage. Uh, you get to be some of the first that get to light your candle and you can drop that card in the box. And then just like the shepherds, you can take it back to your loved ones. Take it back to those that you came in with today. Take it back to your seat and allow the light of Jesus, metaphorically and physically, to go back to where you were when you walked up. So would you stand with me right now as we close out our time of worshiping Jesus as he is our light. We hope this message encouraged you in seeing who God is and who you are in him. If you wanna take a next step, visit frontlinegr.com next. We look forward to connecting with you there and we'll see you back here next week.